Hello, and welcome to the 2016 Presidential Elections Podcast with Dr. Gary Rose. This podcast is brought to you by ShoeSquare, Sacred Heart University's virtual teaching and learning commons. everyone welcome to our final pre-election podcast this project has which has been what a year in the making and dozens of episodes is finally coming to its conclusion we'll be doing one more episode post uh post election just to break down the polls and the trends and the eventual results of the election and after that my friends this is we're wrapping it up which has been an exciting journey we're really thrilled to have so many people tuning in from like 50 something countries it's been an absolutely incredible experience so today Of course, this election could not last one single week without a major scandal hitting. FBI Director James Comey announced that he will be reopening uh, his agency's investigation to Hillary Clinton's emails in conjunction with her, one of her top aides, husband, Anthony Weiner, who made headlines for having multiple sexting scandals with a really unfortunate last name. We did see a little bit of a, we didn't really see much of a change in the polls, which is interesting because 18 million Americans had already voted in early voting throughout the country before James Comey made this announcement. We'll talk about that today and the impact on the, those remaining voters. Dr. Rose. Yeah. Hi, Bridget. Yes, here we are. Uh, our last podcast before the election. And then we are going to do uh, one more podcast after the election. As you note, uh, we'll be doing the post-election results. And hopefully by then we'll have some exit polls that we can also draw from uh, to talk about demographic trends. But since the, the last podcast to, uh, to today, the big story you've already touched on it is, of course, uh, the letter that FBI Director James Comey sent to Congress informing Congress that um, just based on some new evidence that they've discovered, um, that he has decided that it's time to reopen the, um, the email investigation of uh, Hillary Clinton's private server and all that is associated with that and the Clinton Foundation, apparently. Although maybe I'm being a little too specific on that because, because Comey essentially just in his letter said that, um, that there's new evidence that may or may not be significant. So not, nobody really knows exactly what they stumbled upon. But apparently it has to do, as you've already noted, with the emails that and the, the server of, of all people, uh, former, former U.S. Congressman uh, Anthony Weiner. He represented the 9th Congressional District, I believe, in New York City, um, who was, uh, of course, accused of sexting and who has been under investigation, apparently, um, for possibly uh, sexting with a minor. And it was the New York office that was conducting this investigation of Wiener's sexting, which uh, uncovered apparently, um, I'm hearing figures of like 650,000 new emails. An incredible number of emails. Yeah, that, that, um, that have apparently taken place between himself and his wife, um, Huma Abedin, who, as you well know, is the vice chairwoman of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, and she was also... Uh, um, her, uh, I, was she chief of staff, I guess, or, yeah, in the State Department with her, mm-hmm. under, under Hillary, and also um, had actually served as, as an intern. Yeah, it started out as an intern when she was the first lady, so has really been her confidant 
in many ways for, for, for a long, long time. And we know that she's, she travels with Hillary virtually everywhere. Hillary goes, all of her campaign rallies and so forth. And so uh, apparently these exchanges that have uh, taken place between Huma and Anthony um, contain some, some emails that um, have warranted the reopening of the, uh, of the investigation. I wish I could be really specific to say what they involve, but quite frankly, um, Comey's letter was very vague, and nobody really knows what they involve. I think that's the challenge of this is, one, James Comey's in such a strange, challenging position. Because honestly, no matter what he was going to do in this election cycle, nobody would be happy. I mean, I know. you know, Trump finally, this is for Trump, this is like giving major ground. He said the system might not be rigged after this announcement. We'll see. Um, and, you know, of course, the Democrats are now fighting with him tooth and nail. He wasn't going to make anyone happy, but I think, I think that vague, the vague nature of the letter will... I don't know if it's if it's enough to justify a disruption in this election, or if we'll even have enough information to really to fully understand well, the implications that's of this by election question. day. Yeah, that, that really is the big question. What exactly did they stumble upon involving these uh, the, the, these emails with uh, Huma and her and her husband? Um, and how do they apply to Hillary? How do they apply to the Clinton Foundation? How do they apply to any? It's very hard for us to get a handle on what uh, what's going on here. And you know what's interesting is is that on July 5th, when um, Director Comey issued his um, finding, the FBI's findings concerning Hillary's uh, emails and the, the whole FBI investigation and interviews with her, uh, he was lauded by Democrats for being thorough and a man of great honor. And he had recommended that, you know, even though she was careless, the evidence did not warrant a, uh, an indictment. But now, as of Friday, uh, he is no longer looked upon by Democrats as, uh, as a man of honor. In fact, he's being accused of trying to uh, throw the election to Trump. Yeah. In and, and all the wonderful things that the Democrats had to say about Comey now um, seem to have been uh, you know, taken back or something. And I noticed that um, outgoing... Um, Minority Leader of the Senate, Harry Reid, yes. is now claiming that Comey has violated the Hatch Act, which is a federal law that prohibits uh, federal employees from influencing or participating in elections. And now uh, Reid is claiming that Comey, by stating that uh, the email investigation is being opened uh, on, if you will, on the eve of the election, um, was 11 days prior to the election that was announced, mm -hmm. um, is 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 influencing the course of this election. And so he's suggesting that he's actually in violation of the Hatch Act, which I think is pretty pretty ridiculous. But nevertheless, I can understand why all of a sudden the Democrats are up in arms about Comey. And now all of a sudden, Donald Trump, you know, let's be fair here, who uh, and the Republicans who claim that the election was kind of rigged as a result of Comey's first announcement in July, are now suggesting that Comey is a man of honor. <laughs> and so isn't it he's something? He's fighting back and now, against the rig system. Isn't it funny how the parties shift shift their orientation yeah. towards the director based on whatever he's doing? What? He doesn't seem to be in a, any type of a uh, 
a, a good situation, that's for sure. Well, I think the one thing we can all be sure of is that we finally found one man who'll be happier than Ryan's previous as the selection is over. <laughs> I think that's all we can say after this. And I think it's really interesting to look at, we did look at a poll this morning, this is by Politico and Morning Consult, that didn't, didn't show much of a shift in the polls right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess, and I think I've seen numbers that say roughly a third of Clinton supporters say that this could impact their vote come November mm. 8th, although we mm. do have 18 million Americans who have already voted. Well, They've yeah. It's been done. I know, and I keep hearing this figure that up to 40% of the electorate will have voted by November 8th. I was listening to Chris Wallace speak about this the other day. He said that there are, of the 37 states that allow for early voting, <laughs> there are three that allow voters to take their vote back. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I'm wondering really how many. I like wonder how many people will try to get their vote back now that this has been revealed. But again, the question is, what has been revealed? Yeah. There's nothing really specific here. And I think the funny thing is, like, the FBI might not even know at this point. He was just announcing they were looking for a warrant. So the FBI doesn't even know at this point if they have nothing or if they have the scandal they, of this entry. If they have the scandal, that's right. So who knows? But one way or another, it has cast a cloud over um, over over the Clinton campaign. There's no question about it. That never really had gone away anyway, no. but now it's it's a thicker cloud. And, you know, even if Hillary does win the election uh, next week, and I think there's a very strong chance that she's still going to, then this, this investigation is going to continue, obviously, uh, into her presidency. So it really will. What happens if she's elected? What yeah. happens if she's then found to be in violation of some serious laws and she is indicted? She could be impeached before... She could, well, here's, I know, there's so many different scenarios that are out there. I think it's a scary thing here, that this can go in so many different ways, in so, so many, many different dramatic ways. ways. Here's one scenario that I think is a real possibility, uh, that, the, um, that the investigation uh, before January 20th, which is when a president is inaugurated, uh, uncovers some really um, incriminating evidence to the point that leads to an indictment. Okay, so let's say that Hillary Clinton is indicted before January 20th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, on January 19th, President Obama, the day before he leaves office, could issue a pardon. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would that, could could issue that a pardon. stop Congress from impeaching him? No, no. Now, okay. you see, that stops the judicial process. That stops the indictment and the, and, and the trial, if you will. But she'd be impeached on January 20th. But then she could, then, but then she could still be impeached. I've been asked that, and it's, it's my understanding that, um, that even if, a, if somebody is pardoned, Congress can still move forward with an impeachment and possible removal, because that is not a, impeachment is not a legal, you know, mm-hmm. um, a decision. It's a political decision by Congress, and so you can you can have somebody who's pardoned and who is exempt from any type of prosecution. Yet at the same time, that person can still be impeached by the House and potentially removed by the Senate. Okay, so on January twentieth, should should the impeachment process be commencing? What Senate will she be facing? Will this be the Senate we see right now, which is Republican majority? Or will she be facing, you know, the mm. post November eighth Senate, which has the potential to flip? Yeah, I know. Well, I think that um, you're talking about on January 20th. Which on January one? 20th, you know, she's yeah. inaugurated and assuming they want to, you know, the mm-hmm. second she put, she swears yeah. that oath, they want to get her out of office, you well, know. It could be a Republican what Senate. What Senate is that? I, know, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what happens on the down-ballot elections next week. Who but, knows on January 20th who's going to be controlling the Senate? I don't but it know. will be the Congress that's elected on November 8th. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's right. That's right, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, 
Well, now, now wait a minute. Let me just let me just kind of think about what you're asking here. That that new Congress does not come in until January. Yeah. So. So if they're impeaching her after January. So 20th. after after January, it's the new Congress, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. But before that, it's the current Congress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so but they would not be impeaching strange. her before that though, because she will not have formally there, been president. Oh, is there no process? No. 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 You don't impeach. No. No. You no. No. You don't impeach a president elect. Okay. No. You say okay. There's there's. I see what you're getting at now. Yeah. No. 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 You, you don't. Know, no. Something's it's, it's, found in December. Can no, they? No. 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 You don't impeach then. Okay. No, you wait till they take office, right? What okay, I see now. All right. What implications would they have on the electoral college then? Because electoral college is actually what formally elects a president, yeah, sure. correct? Yep. Yep. And if something turns up before oh, the electoral I know. college, means, oh my god, the I election know. hasn't, in some ways, taken place. Well, now there's ever. there's an interesting scenario too. Um, <clears throat> we have the election next week. All these bizarre scenarios. I know this is really fun, actually. But nevertheless, we have for me at least we have the election on on November eighth. But then the Electoral College does not meet until uh, December. Yeah. And so what you're saying is you could have some committed uh, electors to Hillary who possibly uh, might change their mind when they vote in December. Mm-hmm. That's right. You could, have, you could have a series of faithless electors, as mm-hmm. we say. Yeah. But again, that's an interesting scenario. But my read on this, though, is that those people who have been chosen as Hillary electors are so passionate about her and so committed to her that I think it's it's doubtful that they would um, alter their view. Because look, let's face it, even if Hillary Clinton is indicted, you know as well as I that uh, the Clinton machine and Clinton supporters are going to claim that it's it's partisan, it's political, not justified. Nobody, I really don't, I don't really see a lot of, a lot of her strident supporters, like those who are serving as electors, changing their mind about her. Okay. I don't think so. Interesting. But so if there's an indictment, there's really not much that can that no. will change until no. January potentially it, if well, something happens. She could be uh, inaugurated as president as an indicted president and wow. and take office as an indicted president and there would be a, and she would continue to serve as president. Even like going to court cases? Yes, yes. That, that's wow. right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's right. The only way that she would be removed is through impeachment and removal. Wow. That's right. The indictment doesn't change that. So this is really a new twist in American democracy, <laughs> to say the least. Not that this year hasn't been, you know, a lot yeah, of interesting twists along the way, but oh this one gosh. really... I know, I know. I, I, Well, look, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime, and quite frankly, I hope I never do again, because, you know, a presidential election, you know, I was talking to my students today about this, is supposed to be a... Um, just one of one of the real wonderful events in American democracy, you know. It's supposed to be an inspiring event. And even if if the person elected is not of your choosing, um, and your your preferred candidate, nevertheless the country is supposed to feel that the process has worked effectively, we have a new presidency in place and let's and we've also also have had a long history of giving presidents a, a honeymoon. You know, an opportunity to show what they can do in the first 100 days and so forth. That's been a wonderful tradition in our system. And I'm afraid that, quite frankly, (coughs) no matter who wins this election, that there is absolutely no honeymoon at all. It's going to be nothing but claims, accusations. If Trump wins, the Democrats are going to claim that Comey was responsible for the election. If Hillary wins... You know, people are going to be calling for more investigations. 
and it's 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 really sad it's really what's ugly. happening it's very ugly it's very sad what's happening here right this whole process has been such an ordeal i think you know looking looking ahead like you said the next the first 100 days of a presidency mm-hmm. do you think there's any chance that these candidates would i don't want to say bother because that sounds like they're being dismissive but do you think they're like even if you know clinton is cleared or Trump is elected, would how how would unification happen at this point? I feel like there's two different Americas really being contested. There's no here. unification. No, no, there is no unification. Um, Republicans have a uh, obviously a, a major axe to grind against Hillary Clinton and her husband too. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them have really uh, have, quite frankly, I think, have a visceral dislike of the Clintons that simply is irrevocable. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, the Democrats, we do know, with their pull to the left and the progressive element in that party, has moved in a much more liberal direction to the point that, even though Trump, I don't think, is really conservative, they would be absolutely unwilling to um, accommodate any of his legislative measures. The only, the only way in which our government in Washington is going to work after January 20th is if you have a unified government. Mm -hmm. That is, the same party in control of the White House, the House of Representatives, and and the Senate. If even one chamber is of the opposite party, paralysis. Yeah. And what do you think, you know, as I've learned from your excellent government classes, America has always been a two-party system, oh, yes. more or right, less right. organically. It's there you go. Yep. In a non-engineered manner, we've Good. organically been a two-party system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any intro to government class students listening, you got to remember that for the test this week. Uh, <laughs> so, what happens next? And we have, you know, we have our two-party candidates, both of which are lo- disliked by even huge swaths of their own party. We actually have Evan McMullen, who's a third-party candidate running, who doesn't really has, who made headlines recently for polling almost even with the two major party candidates in Utah. Yeah, in Utah. And he's really, his whole movement is not is saying it's not even necessarily about 2016. This is about preserving conservatism for the future. Right. I think in some ways he's hoping to build a foundation I think that the Republican Party can come back to. Yes. Is that what's going to happen? Is the Republican Party going to, you know, wow. kind of shift and move around? What, is the, what do the Democrats do if... Yeah. They, they're shifting in a way that may not be nationally appealing for mm-hmm. 2020. I think that within the Democratic Party, there, there is, even though you've got the two factions within the party, you know, um, the progressives and the more establishment Democrats, I think there's a lot more common ground within that party mm-hmm. where I don't really see the party, you know, um, splintering in, in, in the years to come. It's the Republican Party, though, I think, where... You know, you really have the, the deepest um, fissures right mm-hmm. now. And it has, you know, it has always been a party. I mean, it's always had some factions in it, as you know, evangelical Tea Party, what have you, um, establishment. But at the same time, we, we've never had this strong populist surge within the party that we're experiencing now. So the question becomes, now that we have this populist surge, this white working class you know, a component of the party. These are all Trump supporters. Do they stay as Republicans? Do some of them go back to being unaffiliated? Do some go home to the Democratic Party? Because that's where a lot of working class people normally, normally have been. 
Um, or do what we find is uh, is that this takes on sort of a, um, you know, within the Republican Party, sort of a new dimension to the party with its own brand and its own, its own breed of candidates. And if so, then I would venture to say that um, some of the more traditional Republican components, you mentioned, you know, uh, conservatives, for example, who, who feel they're going to be outnumbered in primaries and caucuses as they were this year, and or possibly establishments. One of those wings of the party who, who's going to, I think, feel that the populists are now encroaching upon their, their party mm-hmm. could possibly form a new political party. I think we could possibly see this happen. I, I do. do. I think there's a realignment happening within the Republican Party that could force one of those um, more historical Republican components into a new uh, organization. And in some ways, I think it's funny because I know um, the place at Internet of the Summer Crowd Pack has a quiz now entitled, Would You Agree with a Sane Donald Trump? Which is interesting. I haven't taken it yet, I admit. But I, th- I thought it was really interesting because I think Donald Trump has introduced some, platform- some platforms and some policies later on in this campaign. I don't know if they're really his ideas or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly and Conway's are a policy team or whatever that are actually kind of reasonable. And kind of translate well into his his anti-corruption, yeah. you know, new new mm-hmm. government kind of movement. Oh yeah, yeah. Around lobbying, mm-hmm. he wants to inter- introduce stricter reforms around lobbying, and when you leave office, first yeah. you can start lobbying again, um, as well as term limits. Would that be? Do you think that's something that could gain traction in the Republican Party, or do you think it's someone like Donald Trump is truly a disruptor? Yeah, I think I think I think it really is because the populist uprising that's occurred is so associated with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. Many of those issues that you mentioned, and and this most recent, uh, the contract with the American people mm-hmm. that he delivered during his um, was his Gettysburg, his Gettysburg speech, right, right. A little bit of history, yeah, player. right, right. But I think that um, I think that because it is really such a, a symbiotic relationship between the candidate and the issues. That again, I still think that uh, elements of the party are going to say we can't, we can't really contend with this because look, if Trump doesn't win this election, he doesn't go away. What does he do next? Dr. Yeah, Rose? he doesn't is, go. He doesn't go. He Trump? doesn't retreat to Trump, Trump Tower and start going back to building. I mean, his kids are running the business now. Yep. I think he's still going to be, in many ways, a, a very powerful force within the Republican Party, and there are Republicans who simply are not going to tolerate that and. Mm-hmm. And even, like I said, I think they're probably going to feel that uh, that the populist component of this party is now in control and it's time to do something else. I would not be surprised again if I see a new political party emerging out of the Republican Party. Not out of the Democratic Party, though. Interesting. So we're seeing really displacement of some political ideologies. I think so. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, look, you know, we've been through this before. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's been a long, long time, but... Um, you know, we, we've seen new parties emerge and replace other parties. The Republican Party that's itself right. replaced the Whigs, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. So Also, I, American government right. test. Yeah, so this, this this happens. So, And, uh, you know, the Federalists competed for a while. I mean, it's true that these two parties have been around a lot longer, but the Federalists died out, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a new party was born eventually. And so um, I can't say our parties just come and go, but we have had a history of... Of, of parties dying on the vine or ending and something new beginning. Interesting. In this case, though, I don't think the populist wing of the Republican Party is going to die. I think what you're going to see instead is maybe a very viable 
alternative to both the Democratic and the, and the populist Republican Party. That's what I see coming. And that's going to mm-hmm. be in the final chapter, by the way. <laughs> For this book that's coming out. Yeah, right. Yes, oh, yes, this endless book. This endless book. We're yeah. almost there, almost to the end. Yeah, right. So looking, and I think this is really interesting, too, because we look at voter registration in, in the United States. We have independents now as a larger group than both Republicans and Democrats. We do. There are much more independent or non-affiliated voters in this country now. There, so there clearly is a need for some new party to unite those voters. Because yeah. right now, you know, you have a few of the third parties. Mm-hmm. You have a few, you know, I think most of them do align either with mm-hmm. Republicans or Democrats most of the time. But really, that's 40% of the voting population just chooses not to pick a party. Yeah, yeah, they do at lean at election time. Rates. Yeah, they break, you know, left and right on the election. But, but you're right, many of them still don't want to identify with a party. And... I th- I think although I got to be real careful on this because we've had these grandiose predictions before that the country was ripe for a third party. Yeah. And it's never happened. Like with the Perot movement, you know, of 92, people thought for sure that that was going to have a, a great deal of longevity. But then it ran, you know, the party showed up again in in 96, just a shell of itself. And Mm -hmm. and Pat Buchanan eventually took over the party and didn't go anywhere. So um, I I think that, um, but this I think is different. I think there really is something that's happening. But there's something that we need to mention here. It sounds easy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a group of disaffected Republicans who break and form a third party. And I've been hearing that they're already calling for conferences to talk about something. Yeah. But once again, though, Bridget, we have election laws. And election laws, you know as well as I, inherently suppress third-party movements. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could spend a lot of time here discussing you know, ballot access laws, the electoral college campaign finance laws, and so forth. It's very, very hard for a third party to, to really uh, get some real traction in our political system. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've, I followed Jill Stein on social media because I follow all presidential candidates on social media. Um, and her big thing now is, you know, we, we're not going to win the presidency in 2016. They haven't ex- she hasn't obviously explicitly said that, but she said, you know, voting for Green Party is not a lost vote because she's like, if we get 5%, then we get $92 million. That's right. They get public the public financing. That's right. And in it, 2020, it which does no look one a, has touched. That's right. That's a very good point. Uh, and it does look as if the Libertarian Party is going to qualify for that yeah. in 2020. I don't know about the Greens. I think the Greens might be a little optimistic. They usually pull yeah. around two or three percent. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's her whole push now. Yeah. Is, you know, it's an it's an investment vote. Right. This isn't a vote maybe for 2016, but this is a vote for 2020 and beyond. It's a fabulous point. And if they do qualify for federal funding, that's a first. That could be a game changer. It could be. It could be. That's right. And without that, it's so hard to compete. But I'm almost positive that the Libertarian Party is going to get over five percent. Do you think they will take government funding, considering that's kind of against their philosophy? It is against their philosophy, and most likely they will. I think so. I will. Uh, I, I, w- I would predict that, you know, without it, I think it's very hard for them to compete. So I think they'll accept it with some type of theoretical or philosophical rationale. That would be really so, interesting, yeah. wouldn't yeah. it? Because that's, I think it's what, like 92.8 million, 93 that's a lot. million? Oh, they get a lot of money. Sitting now. in yeah. this public finance system. Yeah. So even though it does come with some... Um, stipulations on other fundraising and other, mm-hmm. and, you know, advertising oh, yeah. and everything. That's a huge pot of money that mm-hmm. far outstrips anything that libertarians uh, or greens or any other it's a great point. ever fundraised in, U- in the U.S. I'm really glad you bring it up because I think for all intents and purposes that Stein's and, and Johnson's campaigns 
right now are just about that issue. Mm -hmm. You know, getting enough votes to qualify for federal funding in 2020. Yeah. Excellent point. And Johnson has been polling, you know, pretty consistently around 10 to yeah, 12 percent. Yeah, he's in that area. Yeah. If people truly do choose to vote for yep, him. Yeah, that's right. And the negatives are so high for both Hillary and Clinton that I think he's definitely going to get over that threshold. Jill Stein, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's a little... little she still believes you should invest your vote Yeah. for Jill Stein. I, I'd have to look now. I know that Johnson's on the ballot in all 50 states, but yeah. is Stein on the ballot in all 50 states? I think she's in 39. 39 Theoretically, now, yeah. it's enough to win the 270, enough. but it's not all 50. Yeah, it's not on all of them. Okay. Um, and so. So, so I think you had some polls. that. Um, yeah, we looked at the Politico Morning Consult poll, mm -hmm. which... And we also have a really interesting timeline here. This is by Politico and Morning Consult. It, it tracks the polls over major scandals throughout this election, starting <laughs> in November, yeah. which is really interesting. I think looking at this, I find it fascinating because I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, one, Trump's base is very, is a little more, is a little wishy-washy, trying mm -hmm. to put a poll, like trying to, in very non-technical terms, he, we do see a greater flux for him as we look at the scandals that mm -hmm. he's had to deal with over the last two months. Hillary Clinton, you can see her support has dipped a little bit, especially um, post the VP debate with uh, Tim Kaine, whose mm -hmm. appearance there was not well well liked. But overall, she's, she's pulled pretty consistently around 42%. Yeah, I'm looking at that graph you have up in front of us here, and it's really been the scandals affecting Trump that have that have really affected the, um, you know, his peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. and whereas hers, uh, irrespective of what has come out, seems to have, she still seems to be polling in the low 40s, in, regardless of what's going on here. But it's Trump that seems to be bouncing around the most. Um, that um, after the third presidential debate, and that was after all those women made, you know, accusations, of mm -hmm. sexual assault, I see he, he dropped to 36% in this poll. Mm -hmm. But now we have the FBI saying that there's uh, new evidence and they're reopening the investigation, and here we are today, right? And we're seeing Donald Trump up, back up again to 39% with Hillary at 42%. So uh, it's interesting how the scandals haven't really affected her. She's still in that low 40 percentile, but Trump, on the other hand, really is up and down, up and down. Do yeah. you think that speaks more to, you know, the Clinton machine, like all this ground game and operational strength that she's really been building since 2008 and especially since 2012? Do you think that speaks more to that operational strength or more mm. to the fact that, you know, maybe Clinton's base has had time to make peace with her scandals? You know, we've heard mm. about Clinton emails since before she declared for the president. You mean, you mean, you mean we've become numb? To yeah, the scandals. Like you've become numb in some ways. <laughs> to maybe. the to the Clinton scandals. And I think if you're a Clinton supporter, yeah. you've kind of. I think there's some truth in that, but you've rationalized and made your peace with them. I think there's something else too, and I'll go out on a limb here. Um, I think that the media also has done um, uh, probably a, a much more uh, extensive job of covering Trump scandals than mm -hmm. hers. I do. I mean, the WikiLeaks revelations. You know as well as I, we've seen studies on that. We were working together on some of that data. The WikiLeaks scandals received much less coverage. I and mean, the WikiLeaks revelations, I should say, had received much less coverage yeah. than the, um, the allegations of sexual assault on, on Trump. Both, I think, I mean, are troubling. Both are very, very troubling. But you know as well as I that, uh, that the media really jumped on the Trump scandals 
uh, while kind of leaving WikiLeaks um, on the back burner. And so I, uh, I think that's related to the polls that we're looking at here. Hillary's, uh -huh. Hillary never dropped, I noticed these polls show she never dropped into the... Uh, in, into the 40 percentile when the or the 30 percentile when the uh, the scandal started yeah. but Trump himself did he went way down and so I think it I think there has been unfair media coverage mm -hmm. I do and it's not just me saying that there's been studies that have proven that no and I remember if yeah. you if you not look back to our last episode if you listen back to our last episode so yeah. to say we did see quite a frightening discrepancy some even as like nine to seven minutes in an average you know right. nightly broadcast to 30 seconds to nothing on the to, WikiLeaks. to nothing about WikiLeaks, i know so i there is there is an interesting standard here yeah. in some ways i wonder if you know clinton is modeling the new way to have a political scandal keep it nerdy keep it complex and just let it go on forever because people after a while are just tired of hearing about her damn emails. And she has her damn emails, <laughs> yes, Sally Bernie. Yeah. But uh, she also has great spin meisters. True. And she really, she did come, you know, she's kind of been very passive on this email coverage yeah. in the past. She did come yeah. out very aggressively this time around. Everybody needs somebody like Lanny Davis to show up on TV all the time defending your, your behavior. Yeah, this, this is what he did with Bill Clinton, and mm -hmm. he's doing it with her now. Yeah. Well... One more week. One more week. More. Yep. One more, one more okay. week. I think everyone's yep. pretty excited. I did see a poll today that said 71% of voters are tired of this election. Mm. So we can all agree that we'll be happy when it's over, yep. depending on when that is at this point. We've been doing these podcasts now for many, many months. Yeah, we started uh, last February. Yeah, that's right. Right, yeah. right before the Iowa caucus, right? Right before Iowa. That yeah. was our first official yeah. episode. Yeah. And so um, now we're going down the home stretch. We have, we have the election next week. And then uh, shortly thereafter, we'll do another podcast to talk about the results. And uh, hopefully that um, our listeners have gained uh, some valuable insight into what is without a doubt uh, the most bizarre <laughs> presidential election in U.S. history. Well, hopefully it's an anomalous one and not... I hope so. Not the new normal. I hope so. We want to thank our audience for tuning in and sticking with us for the last, what, like eight, not eight nine months? Yeah. Something like that. And sticking with us throughout this whole long tornado of a process, truly. <laughs> we really enjoyed speaking to you. We really enjoyed seeing all these people tune in from all these incredible countries abroad, ranging from Malaysia to Finland to Ecuador all across the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned something throughout all this, and we look forward to speaking with you for the last time next week. Next week. All right.